Welcome to Driven Minds. I'm Gigi, and this is a Type 7 podcast. Our guest today is Cade Gottlieb, better known as Got Mick. Cade was the first openly trans man to compete on RuPaul's Drag Race, quickly becoming a fan favorite as a runner-up in season 13, but the winner of our hearts. So while researching this episode, I discovered this YouTube and podcast series that he hosts with fellow Drag Race alum Violet Chachki. It's called No Gorge, like No Gorgeous, and I found myself glued to the screen for hours watching these besties go at it, talking about literally anything and everything, and I don't know, it just warmed the cockles of my heart. So when Kate appeared on screen, I kind of felt like I'd been hanging out with him for ages. He's definitely got the gift of the gab, and I was bummed to end our conversation, even though he did promise to call me if he's ever in Berlin. So this is me openly and publicly holding him accountable. I'm just kidding, kind of. But before we jump into this episode, I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. So if you have a second, it would mean the world if you could review it or rate it on whatever fine platform you are currently hearing my voice on. So without further ado, here it is my conversation with Cade Gottlieb, aka Gottmick. How long have you lived in LA? I've lived in LA for uh, probably almost seven years now, which is insane. And I feel like COVID needs to like not count in time. Completely. Yeah. Like I'm the age before COVID, I think, in my brain. Same. Like I'm a solid 24. (laughs) Okay. So you're in LA now, but you're originally from Arizona. And yes, I read that you went to a private Catholic school and I'm not sure if this is true, but I also read that you clocked a ton of time in detention for violating the dress code, which I loved hearing (laughs) because I too went to a uniform school and would get in trouble literally on the daily for wearing my skirt at skyscraper heights. So tell me what sartorial tricks you were turning to land you in detention. Oh my gosh. Well, that is 100% true. But also at the same time, I would never trade. I would just hate not having uniforms, I think. I like love a uniform, like waking up and just knowing what to put on. And then like a little customization is just the vibe to me. If I had, if I went to public school and I didn't have a uniform, I would like never be at school. I would definitely be spending all morning figuring out my outfit and everything. Because even with a uniform, I'd wake up at full like 6 a.m. to be in full glam for school, ready to go. It was crazy. You glammed so, before school. Oh my God, girl. Yes, I had, I would wear like blonde wigs, <laughs> like down to my ass and like a red lip. And I had the most chaotic makeup routine you've ever seen in your life. Like I was obsessed with like overly ta- tan, like that mousse foundation. Do you remember that one in the jar? That was like a mousse. Did you ever use that? It's this insane <laughs> I didn't, but I feel like there's an age gap between us, so I'm going to respect that. But I trust the mousse was key. It was the most disgusting mousse foundation you've ever seen, but it was just like the vibe. And I would just clump on so much mascara, you can't even believe. And I would do like layers of it and then curl after and just like peel it off and be like, this looks so good. I can't believe it. Yeah. (laughs) And then I would wear... Like, my little shirt with all this jewelry, like, under the little collar and the the shortest little skirt you've ever seen and, like, a thigh-high sock and a Mary Jane Doc Martin. And I'd be like, hi, I'm gorgeous. And you're, like, not supposed to wear unnatural makeup. I actually had this hairstyle, too, that was, like, you're supposed to have, like, natural hair colors. And I would have, like, bleach blonde half, top half, and, like, black, black underneath, (laughs) which I got the inspo from Wife Swap. Like, there was a punk rock mom on Wife You don't know what Wife Swap is? No. Oh, my God. You're going to die. There's this show called Wife Swap where they, like, swap. They find, like, the most opposite wives you could ever imagine. Like, this mom is, like, the mom in a military and, like, works out every day and, like, has only, the ch- kids only have chores. And then they're swapping wives with a clown family. And they're, like, actually clowns. And they, like, swap lives. It's so funny, but I got inspiration for my hair from Wife Swap. She was a punk rock mom. It's so nuts, though, that they'd like that you'd get in trouble for dyeing your hair. I feel like that's kind of fucked. Yes, I know. I literally, you couldn't have like 
crazy nail polish, hair color. Same. And same with the nail God polish. God forbid. Oh, honey, and if a boy tried to do any of that, see you later. <laughs> Sent home. It was crazy. Like, Catholic school was a gnarly one. But he rebelled. Well, back in the day, a little pre-transition, me actually, I was a, I was a little president of the school with bleach blonde hair, girly on of life. So... Not not that bad. Oh, my God. You were a popular girl. Yeah. But I, like, forced it. I was like, I'm going to be in control. Because, like, I knew something something was going on. I didn't know if I was gay or what was going on. But I was like, either way, I'm going to run this shit. I'm going to be the president. I'm going to look stunning. I'm going to be an alcoholic. And I'm going to do anal to make sure I just cover all the bases. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You started young and I don't hate it. Have to, you know. You have to do what it takes. So what was the process then of how you discovered your trans identity? Like, do you remember an early thought or particular experience that first made you question your cisgender? Yeah. I mean, I think looking back, it was kind of like my whole life I've felt that way. And I just never had like the words or language to even process such a Mm -hmm. thing. You know, I had uniforms since I was fully in kindergarten and I would always be like, they would be like twin days and stuff and I would only be matching with the boys and I would be like the only girl invited to the boys parties it was always like just I would be at the boys soccer teams I would be like it was just always that at McDonald's I'd be like I need the boy toy mom get me that better toy yeah I was like need that and I just never I was always just like yeah whatever tomboy loves it and then I found the like gay community I guess and I was like there's definitely something going on here, but I don't think I'm a lesbian. That was kind of the vibe. I was like, not a lesbian, but something in here is gorgeous to me. So I just kind of started getting up in the LGBTQ community and I moved out to Los Angeles and I met um, a couple trans women and I just learned about the trans experience, I guess, through them. And I was like, shut up. I don't have to be a girl. Like, I don't have to. I this I wasn't crazy all these years. I'm not just, like, the most... It's so funny because I'm very... I have very feminine cadences and I'm very not the most masculine human of life. But, like, you know, if I when I was presenting female, I was the most masked human of life. I was like, I'm not crazy. I'm not the most masked, random, straight girl in the world. Like, I'm just a boy. Like, get into it. It also sounds like you were doing your thing too, though. Like high knee socks and Mary Janes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm it was drag, this. girl. It was high drag. I mean, that's pretty much what it was. I was crazy. Like I have photos where I would just, I'd go to the mall and like wigs down to my ass and like huge jewelry. I was a, a drag queen. It was crazy. <laughs> Did you ever have any trolls like try to beat you down? Or I think one of the reasons why I was so like in like the need to be in control of everything around me and like the president of everything was because of that. I was like, I need to have some sort of like fear in these children's hearts so that I don't get bullied. Like I was like, say, right. I was like, I have to stay above this. But I mean, I did have some random guys that like I would like hook up with. It was so weird. And then they would call me a faggot. And I was like fully just like a girly Anna, like hooking up with them. So I'm like, what does that even mean to you? Calling me a faggot. That's so weird. Crazy. You know? But they just, it like came out. So, I mean, maybe they even knew I was a guy before I did. <laughs> so, how would you digest these experiences, though? Like, did you have like an an outlet? Did times ever get really rough? Or were you just like, you know what? This is me and I'm just charging through Bronco style and, you know, like get out of my way, part the seas like Moses. A little bit of everything I think it definitely especially when I started discovering it that I was trans I kind of was like it was kind of everything in my heart I was like okay am I really trans like I don't want to just like find this new thing in my life and just like gung-ho do everything so I was trying to like make sure I was like interviewing every type of person I've ever met like I was like I need to interview a lesbian a non-binary person like not actually like interview but like just like hang out and vibe with them and see if I could just like any other option because trans was just such, it's just a hard life and it's just really intense. So I was like, there has to be anything else and I have to make sure before I do that. But I was just so depressed. I would just wake up crying every day. I just knew that. Around what age were you at this point? uh, I would say probably like 18. 
Okay. Yeah, 18, 19. And I was just like, there has, something has to change no matter what it is, whether it's a, I'm transitioning or anything, but I just can't live like this. And, you know, I started talking to every type of person and I was just like looking around me and looking at all my guy, gay guy friends. I was like, these guys are so more feminine than I am. And they're men and I'm not. That's insane to me. So I think I'm trans and I just took the leap of faith and got with the LGBT center and they helped me get hormones without like telling my parents yet. Cause I was like, my parents are so religious and I was like, this is going to be bad. I was freaking out. But you know, the second I injected hormones for the first time, like obviously it doesn't instantly do anything, but it truly felt like, like the universe was like, you're on the right path. This is it. And it felt like the world was lifted off my shoulders and it was just a sign that I was on the right path because I've like never felt that much relief over something that's not actually happening. Like there wasn't any physical crazy thing, but instantly I was just like, oh my God, yes, this is it. And it was, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me really. How was high school then for you? Cause you mentioned you started to feel some depression when you were 18 or so. Yeah. I mean, listen, in my opinion, I feel like the moment you go to a private uniformed school, you are subjecting yourself to a lifetime in therapy, personally. Yeah, and yeah, my, no, 100%. My, and my school was non-secular. So tell me about your Catholic school experience. You mentioned your parents were religious because yes. I can imagine that added another layer to the cake, shall we say? Like, was it repressive yes. in ways besides the dress code? Oh, yes. I mean, of course. I took... You know, in theology class, there's all like all the lessons about how gay people are going to hell and just all of that insane stuff. And I would come home crying every day. But it was just kind of like, you know, like that's that's the Catholic old school vibes, like get into it or whatever. It was just kind of like nothing you can really do about it. And then obviously I had a pretty strong will in high school though still. So I'd kind of like fight it in class, but like I just said, not much you can do dealing with these teachers. And besides that, really, I think a lot of it, I would just kind of flood my life and brain with like extracurricular activities. Like I was on varsity soccer as a freshman, as the president, like I was always on student government, like just always. And I always found like other things to almost like deflect my traumas and pains into, I guess. I was like, if I just stay busy, it's fine. So I was the busiest human of life. I feel like to this day, I still kind of do that. Just like, as long as I'm moving and keeping going, it's fine. Like everything's going to work out and it does. So I would just keep going usually. But I think back then, if I would have just taken the time to like check in with myself and all of that, I think I would have figured things out a little bit earlier or like started to like figure things out a little bit earlier because just because I didn't even allow time for myself to check in and say like who the fuck are you I was like nope this is it soccer track star loves it moving on so it seems like 18 was a major turning point of a year for you yeah it really was just I it was kind of the first time you know, I heard what trans was and I was like, what is going on? This is, Who told this is you? what I've been. Um, I think my first trans girlfriends were this one girl, Luna Lovebad. She, I went to fit on this fashion school in Los Angeles and my friend Gina was just like the craziest girl ever in school. We wear heels and like the sewing machines, like the tallest heels ever. And they'd be like, take those off and be like, no, just crazy. And she introduced me to this girl, Luna, and then she introduced me to a few other trans girls. And then we just started, like, talking about all of it. And she, would, she was just such a good friend, too, because she was, like, it would, like, feel it out, but not, like, really push me to do anything at all, ever. And we both loved Drag Race, and we both loved drag. So we just kind of, like, she would just be like, all right, let's just get into this. I'm going to wait for you to tell me. And wasn't a pusher, and that's exactly what I needed. And then I met my friend uh, Gigi Gorgeous at this bar and truly she was just Was this like in LA or Arizona? This is after LA. you moved? Yeah, this is all like all little 18 year old me. And it was just like the best trans girls ever to have around too. Like Gigi literally like basically invented transitioning publicly and she fully was just like the perfect next step from Luna who wasn't like really pushy. Gigi was like pushy but not too crazy. She's like 
so what's your name? Like, tell me. And I'd be like, oh my God. She's like, wait. And she's like, fine, wait till you're ready. And then just moves on, like moves on. Not too pushy, but she's like, I know. Like, I know what's going on. And that was everything. So she knew. When did you know? I mean, I think I was, she kind of came around my life when I started, I already kind of knew. And I started like interviewing people, like I was saying before. And I was talking right. to different types of people. And her husband, Nats, was one of the people that I was like, so what's the tea with your life? Like your gender, just kind of getting down because Nats and I are kind of very similar in a lot of ways. So I was like, maybe something's going on here. And this is before Nats transitioned too. So it was just a crazy time for all of us. And so Gigi saw what I was doing pretty much and her and her sister and the whole house. She had this like house of amazing friends that are all like my family now. They're my chosen family. And she really just was there to guide me and help me and be there for every step of the way. And then when I really was like, okay, this is 100% it, I fully came out, FaceTimed them all when I was shooting up hormones for the first time. And then when I was like ready for my top surgery, it was just kind of like the number one thing, even me not knowing I was trans, but like growing up, I was like the only girl in the locker room, like hiding. I was like, no, I was like, always was not a boob person. I knew that was like an issue. And it's so funny looking back being like, you literally hated your boobs and you didn't really ever kind of figure that out. That's so weird. (laughs) But at the time it was just like, no, just not for me. (laughs) But now looking back, that's insane. Um, but I was ready for top surgery. And I was like, I've always wanted this. This is like something I know that I will never ever regret no matter what happens and um but I like couldn't afford it I like, just moved I was in school my parents were not down to help me for that and Gigi and her husband Nats paid for it wow. and helped me I know this like I truly like the universe put the most amazing people in my life ever just to perfect people for the perfect stages and it's insane I'm so thankful What was it like coming out to your family? Because you mentioned they were Catholic. Yeah. Um, I was I was so scared to tell them. I didn't tell them till after because... After the surgery? After... I didn't tell them till after I started hormones. So I told them before I had surgery, but after the hormones, I was just trying to like dumb it down as much as possible. I was like yeah, I'm just doing it to look a little more masculine. Like, I was just not telling them, but they, like... Right. I just wanted to, like, warm them up to it, even though it was full-blown happening, and I fully knew what was going on. I was just like, yeah, I just want to look, like, a little more mask. Like, just trying to ease them into it. And um, it didn't go over well. They... Now they're definitely trying way more, and they're definitely, like, on a really good path, and... It's kind of very, we're, we're still working on everything. It's, it's just like a crazy hard thing, especially with me who I would never open up to them about any of that stuff. And I was so hyper feminine prior to transitioning. So it was definitely crazy for them. But when I first came out and it, it didn't go over well, and, but my dad was just kind of like, I can see that. Like I can, I always could tell there was something and now knowing it's that, I just see that. Like I was saying with the sports and the birthdays and the uniforms, like I never even wore the yeah. girl uniform until I was in high school. I was always like the boy huh? uniform. I want the shorts yeah. and everything. And um, I think they really do love me at the end of the day, no matter what. So even though it was really hard for them, they like would kind of take the time to come to LA. And I did have Gigi and Nats and like the whole, their whole family and just they were like my chosen family. So they came there and they met Gigi and Gigi has a full documentary about her transition and they took the time to watch it. And they were like, this isn't a weird phase that's like thrust upon by the devil of LA. It's like, he's actually with amazing people who are so happy and have amazing careers as well. And so that kind of started warming them up to them and, then when I got on RuPaul's Drag Race and I was just so open about it and they kind of heard it from me just candidly talking the way I talk as opposed to kind of trying to hide it from them in a weird way. And then they saw the reaction and like how many people I was able to help by just being me. I think that really 
did help them a lot to be like, oh, this is like serious and important. So I think they started super opening up then. So I know we touched on this a bit, but um, for people unfamiliar with the transitioning process, would you feel comfortable walking us through what transitioning was like for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, transitioning is definitely so different for every single person. Me personally, it is extremely about the medical transition, which is the hormones and the surgeries and all of that, just because I just, I don't know, I have a lot of dysphoria that comes with just my physical self. So I really do need those extra steps to just make my me feel happy and comfortable with who I am. I could literally have a six pack and the big, like the craziest beard ever. And I'm like, this is looking a little feminine right here. I just will always be in my brain. It's just not, really? that's just part of my journey. And I do have other friends that are kind of the exact same way that is just like, not never will be enough, but there's always just kind of, it's just like helpful to have those little things that you can do to masculinize or feminize as a trans person. So what are those things? For me, my height is definitely something. I'm not even that short at all. I'm literally like five, seven, five, eight. And then I will, I always love a little like boot though that has like a little platform or something that's like a little not as noticeable because I'm like, oh, there we go. I'm five, nine, like loves it. That weird little thing will help. Um, my body hair and my facial hair is so important, which is so bad because I'm a drag queen. So that never really gets to stay. But I really, I was on vacation for the past few weeks and having like my stomach hair and just my body hair, I was like, oh my God, I forgot how gorgeous this was and how amazing that is. So that really helped. My top surgery obviously was the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Um... I get, like, some jaw filler just to square everything out because my face is really round. So I like to, like, square things. Just, just like, little things like that have really helped. I got my eyebrows kind of microbladed to kind of be, like, a little, like, thicker. You know, just, like, little things that are you don't even think about. But then when you're looking at, like, even, honestly, face app has helped me because when it's, like, uh, the, like it masculinizes, it's just kind of, like, have you used FaceApp before? I have. Anyone who doesn't know, FaceApp is basically this like tool that thinks it knows like how to be pretty and it'll just take your face and like make it so feminine or like so masculine. And I like looked it's at that crazy. and was like, my eyebrows do look a little bit better if they're a little lower. Like, oh, I do need to square this. And it's just like little things. I don't need to be that crazy with it, but I'm like, that does look good. So I'm like, hmm, FaceApp yeah. helping the totally. trans people of the world. Um, but yeah, I also have trans friends though, who don't ever want to go on hormones at all, you know, or like don't ever really want, they just had top surgery or they don't even want surgery. It's just, they're happy with their lives. So it just really depends on the person. And, um, yeah. And that's just my personal journey is that I love these little tricks to kind of just mask things up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. As one does. I know. Is there one part of the trans experience that you feel a lot of cis people don't understand or something that you want to set straight? It's so hard to find something like one off like that because I actually discover like every day there's like, I read comments sometimes. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys? Oh my God, I'm go like, off. I'm like, one, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, I mean, the most recent one that I've noticed is that like, cisgender like straight girls will literally be commenting things on people's photos like trans people's photos that are just like so out of pocket crazy but they don't really see it as crazy like like like, there was one I literally saw this morning and I don't even want to name anyone but my friend was just in the cutest little outfit like a little bikini and this girl commented and was like yes bitch tucked like yes like talking about that she was like tucked And it's like, why can't we just say that that trans girl looks like gorgeous in that outfit, you know? Or like, why can't you just say, you know, it's always like, it's so happy that you're being you right now. Like brave. Like, it's like, just say I look okay. Like it's always just kind of always coming back to something weirdly physically trans, I guess. And they think it's kind of funny or like a weird thing. and Like fetishizing in a way? Yeah, almost. But yeah, I guess not even almost. I guess, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's a good thing to call out because I think like the people who comment are probably doing it well-intentioned, but it's like check yeah. yourself. You know what I mean? 100%. I think that is important. Like understand the verbiage and understand. Yeah, your trans girlfriend is your girlfriend. You don't have to be like, tucked bitch, y'all. It's like, <laughs> just say you look stunning. Oh my We're God. Loud. <laughs> Anything else? I would just, I would probably just say that like we were kind of talking about with like the masculinization and stuff. I think it even took like a while for me to even understand that not every trans person needs hormones and to look like Barbie or look like the Ken doll or any, you know, it took me a minute to even realize that myself. And so I think a lot of cisgender people would obviously, I would assume, think the same thing that it's like every trans girl wants to look like Barbie and every trans guy wants to look like Ken, but there's this whole spectrum of gender and that exists and people fall everywhere on that gender spectrum. And especially, you know, trans people, it's like, they don't have to do that. They don't owe you their transness. They don't owe you any cisness either. They just, you know, being passable or whatever you want to call it is some people's choice and other people don't really care at all. So I feel like just support your trans friends, however they want to be supported and don't push it and don't question it because it is a crazy gender spectrum that exists, uh, everyone exists on. So yeah, I think that's probably the main thing actually. So how was Got McBorn and how did you come up with the name? Gottmik was born. I actually, it was my, it was like part of my dead name and part of my last name put together. And it just kind of like stuck. I made it my Instagram handle when I was like, I don't even know, like 14 or 15 years old. It was like my license plate, Gottmik, when I was, um... When I turned 16, it was just everything. It was just my, like, brand, I guess. And then when I started doing drag, I was just kind of just, like, playing with makeup. I was a painter, so it just it was an easy transition to be like, let's paint my face. And I started playing with drag just because of RuPaul's Drag Race and online and all that. And I was like, all right, got make is what I've already been doing and loving for so long now. It's just going to be my name now. And when I was trying to figure out my gender identity, I literally was just kind of uncomfortable looking feminine, but I love doing drag. So I was like, okay, I can go to these clubs and I'm just going to be like paint my face like this crazy alien drag thing. And no one's going to know what gender I am. No one's going to know everything. And then when people started thinking I was just a normal cis guy drag queen I was like this feels so good to me to that everyone thinks I'm a guy because I'm in this crazy hyper femme alien drag and another sign I should have saw that I was like hello you're definitely 100% trans but at the time I was just like this feels good like ever I love being a drag queen not thinking about yeah insane but anyway, so it was just this crazy, weird, like, gender mess that I was like, I am dressing like a hyper femme alien, and people think I'm a guy because of it, and I love that. So I would literally never leave the house so to go to clubs without it. I would always be in this crazy drag, and, you know, at the time, it was just, I thought it was because I love drag, and I was like, this is amazing. And then when I started discovering that I was trans, I was like, oh, look at you can't even go out to the clubs without being in full drag. Like, you're definitely trans. It was insane, but that is the crazy birth story of Gottmik. And now that I'm comfortable with myself out of drag, I don't have to do drag all the time, which is the best thing I've seen happen. I was like, another proof that I'm on the right path. I was like, I don't need this mask, this alien mask to feel happy outside in my life anymore. So so what is it like mentally when you become Gottmik? You know, it's it's a crazy road because being born female and then transitioning to a guy, like, talking about how, you know, at one point I couldn't even be without Gottmik publicly. I had to be in that full face at all times. And then now that I'm comfortable out of it, when I was on Drag Race, I guess, kind of rewinding, when I was on Drag Race, I was not as comfortable with myself out of drag as I am now. And I 
definitely needed this like overly drag character. I needed the most liner. I needed giant hip pads and corsets. And I just needed like no room for anyone to say that I wasn't a drag queen because I was born female. I was like, there can be no room for that. I need to be the most draggiest drag character you've ever seen. And I need huge wigs, huge lashes, huge everything. And I really didn't get much of that online. And then I came out of Drag Race and I started really getting more into the art of it because I got to have this amazing new career of drag and I was in drag almost every day. And I was like, I know proportions. I am a painter. I know how to draw. I know what looks good. I'm into fashion. And these hip pads and things are not my proportion at all. So I was like, maybe smaller ones. And then I was like, oof. If I want to be a fashion doll, I need to, like, cut the shit and, like, get my shit together and stop needing to, like, for society to tell me what drag is. And I just need to, like, be gorgeous. So I, like, stopped doing all that stuff that was, like, almost like a band-aid to, like, what I thought everyone wanted me to look like as a drag queen. And I became this drag queen that I've wanted to be for so long that I was, like toned down my makeup a little bit. I just got like prettier and I would, you know, every once in a while I got like a little too pretty and it would kind of trigger me. I'd be like, oh my God, like I see my old self or something in it. So I'd be like, gotta add more makeup, gotta add more makeup. Like a little balancing act of like what's too much, like what's not, which is so confusing and weird. But I've gotten to like a really amazing place with it and me and Violet like Violet my best friend Violet Chachki has been like an amazing amazing person to have in my life during that process because she's gone through a crazy makeup drag journey too and has become this like gorgeous fashion doll of life which she always has been but like especially lately it's just unbelievable how gorgeous this girl is and she's a cisgender gay man and she kind of almost had the same like journey like she's not obviously she's not like a trans journey but she dedicated her whole life to drag for so long that she like kind of neglected the guy side of her life and like only focused on Violet and so I was like I need to figure out my out of drag and in drag and the balance and she's like you know what kind of same like it's kind of like a universal thing for us that even though it wasn't a trans journey for her it was just kind of like finding that balance on that gender spectrum and how to stay happy and how to not trigger anything but stay gorgeous on both sides. So it was so crazy to have her. It sounds like there's a kind of freedom that comes with drag. Yeah. What are the rules? Are there rules? Can I do it? Can cis people do it? Oh my God, yes. Drag is like my favorite art form in the world and I think I fell in love with it because I have so many hobbies and so many passions like we were talking about earlier and drag is truly just literally whatever you want it to be if you're a literal chef you can literally go and cook and drag and you're like yeah you're the chef drag queen like loves it and if you're a theater queen you're a theater queen and if you can dance you're the dance it's just like anything you love can be can translate to drag and it's the best thing in the world it's truly for everyone it started from this crazy punk rock amazing place where in the night I mean forever where it's in the 90s especially when RuPaul was coming up it just looking back it inspires me so much it's just it was so punk and edgy and pushing boundaries and now it's so mainstream which is so crazy and Violet and I talk about it all the time just like how wild that is how you know even when I I'm like only 26 and even when I was first starting drag it was still like edgy and cool and like pushing boundaries and like looked down upon by straight people and it was just kind of this like crazy art form but now it's like we're gonna be on like Wheaties boxes it's like the most mainstream like household normal thing I've ever seen like I'll see TikToks where it's like my dad's fully homophobic and he's like watching drag race it's like (laughs) he just like it's like the craziest thing ever it's just for everyone anyone can do it and I just I think the inclusivity and the power that drag holds is why I love it so much do you think the way that it is going mainstream is a positive thing um I think it's definitely a positive thing obviously I like I was saying that punk rock star of drag and that 
you know, like Stonewall, Marsha P. Johnson. We're back in the, in the day of it all. It's just like, it's just drag was the vanguard of literally every political everything for the gay community. And that's so inspiring and amazing. But we're literally fighting for LGBTQ people to be equal and for drag to be normalized and all of that. So it's like, that's what we were fighting for and we're getting it. So obviously yeah. it's such a positive thing. And I think there's so much left to fight for and, you know, being on this mainstream household name level that drag is now is so important because we're raising awareness through comedy and singing and like everything, any art form drag can get its hands on. It's like, we're pushing for equal rights and until we're there, we're gonna keep doing it. So you ended up on Drag Race, which was a show that you grew up worshiping. Yes. So that is a golden plot twist. How did the experience change you? Oh my gosh, I think it changed me so much just because, you know, I obviously loved the show growing up for sure. And then I, but I didn't think I could ever seriously do drag being born female. And but why I never thought. But why do you think that? I'm curious. Just I mean, it just like wasn't a thing back when I yeah. was in high school and stuff. It was like, I never, like Instagram wasn't Instagram back then. So it wasn't like I could just like go on Instagram and be like, let's find a, like a female drag queen. It was just not a thing. Mm -hmm. And there was not any on Drag Race. No one was talking about it. So I was just like, okay, like not for me, even though I'm obsessed. And then um, I just said like, fuck it. And I was like, I'm going to do drag anyway. And then I started transitioning and I was like being taken really seriously in the drag makeup world. I would paint other drag queens and for magazines and everyone on Drag Race. And then I was like, you know what? I am good at this and I love it so much. So I'm just going to audition for Drag Race. And I think I auditioned the first two times before I even started Hormones. But I was like not even out to my family or anything, but I'm full like telling a casting producer I'm trans like – Yes, I'm trans. And like like my parents, no one knows, but the casting producers of RuPaul's Drag Race knew. That's it. <laughs> the important people knew. Yeah, the ones that needed to know, no. But I think the third time I was, you know, getting to like a really good place to where I was happy with myself out of drag. I was on hormones, had top surgery, and then I auditioned and I got on. And I was like dying because I was like, this is not something that's happening right now. There's, like, not any trans guys that I knew of at the time doing drag at all. I was just very, like, this is going to be crazy. This is going to be crazy and for everyone involved. Like, it's going to be crazy for me. It's going to be crazy for Drag Race. It's going to be crazy for the gays. Like, I was like, this is going <laughs> to flip some shit. So I was... And you were the first one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was the first one. And at the time, too, it was, like, they weren't really casting any, like, openly trans people at all. It was just kind of, like, some amazing trans women came out on the show or after the show. And then they, like, were talking about how it wasn't very, like, the production wasn't really good to them about presenting female on the show. Just, like, weird little things. And so I was, like, a little nervous going in. But I got on, and thank God, just, like, the way I was able to connect with my fans and the people watching the show was just so positive. And people were just showing so much love. Like, even if they didn't like me, they were just, like, just to the transness though like you know it was always so positive and I was so lucky and so like humbled to have that and then after that I think you know the straight white men that run the world in Hollywood were like all right it worked and we've had like such amazing trans people come out of the show now we've had full female drag queens in the UK on the show like it has been so amazing so thank god how did that experience change you? Yeah, I mean, it definitely changed me just because I think it's like my my almost like center. It's like every time I things get too crazy for me or like I, I feel uninspired or like, you know, it's just anything that's just depression comes about. I just like think about how just me being me and just me doing my art has 
really actually helped people. And I've met so many people that say that, like, I've brought conversations up in their families and have, like, helped their whole family go on some kind of gender sexuality journey together and, like, how I've helped people discover their gender and sexuality and all of that. And so I think that alone has just, like, truly opened my eyes how, like, important it is to be open. And we're all on this crazy human experience that is has so many obstacles and we're all over the spectrum and there's so many chakras and things to open up in our lives and it's just so important like one little thing that I say that I think is so not important or so stupid it could really actually help someone which is really opened my eyes and inspires me a lot to just like keep pushing and keep doing my art and stay positive I guess what was the best piece of advice you got from RuPaul? Oh, I don't even know if this is really advice. It kind of is. I like when I first got to Drag Race, I was like overthinking literally everything. And I was like, I'm going in here being like the first trans guy, like the first like openly trans like person. I was like freaking out. And I was like, I have to say the right things. I have to be the exact like role model that I've always wanted to see, you know, just like everything has to be perfect, freaking out. And you can like see that in my performance. And then I think like, I don't know what the exact switch was. I think it was around this, I don't even know. I just started like clicking with RuPaul a little bit and the people around me and something just kind of switched where I was just like laughing again and like being me and RuPaul was just like, you don't always have to say the right thing. Like the second you just like let go and be yourself, like that's what people are going to be connecting with, not you trying so hard to be this like absolute role model, you know? And when we were talking about that and I was like, that is so right. Like I don't ever connect with someone who's like up on a podium, like telling me the exact thing that I want to hear. Like it's definitely someone who's just like living their life, is happy, being their most authentic self. And then it's just like, even if you're not a transgender man drag queen. It's like, I'm just talking about the gender spectrum in my life and my journey. And I have been able to connect with people from every walk of life you could ever imagine. And that is just like, go that taught me a crazy lesson. Just like, oh my God, I just have to be open and talk about my life and be me. And the second I re- like heard that and realized that, everything got so gorgeous on the show. And I just became the drag queen and the person I always wanted to be. And I was just like, funny and open and honest and like let go what was the most difficult period in your life reflecting back on it um I think the period of my life where I was trying to figure out if I was trans that we were like talking about and how I said I was like waking up crying and stuff it was just I think that was definitely the hardest period of my life just because I was so depressed and I could see it and I like basically like couldn't function. It was just so insane how I would wake, just wake up crying. It was just like a constant state of sadness and then not knowing what the issue really was or like kind of almost knowing. Yeah. Like, and when I started figuring out being like, no, 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 this like can't be it. That's like, that's awful. Like, you know, in my brain, it was like trans was just the worst life because that's all I had heard about it. It was not worst positive. It's what we're told. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, this is going to be awful if this is it. And I, you know, it was just like every option of like fixing the issue was a bad issue. It was awful to me. I was like, this is a lose-lose situation. I either stay sad or I transition into this like hard life and lose my friends and family and like just right. everything. So I think that was just awful because I felt so helpless and out of control. And it was definitely made me way stronger the way I was able to get out of that. And I actually like kind of reflect on that every once in a while, just like remembering it because it was so crazy and I could not have done it without my chosen family there. So I always like drive home how important that is, especially when you move to a big city and stuff by yourself. It's like find your chosen family, your tribe that is just always there for you because I know I would not be here without them. You mentioned depression. Is there anything that sets that off? You know, I'm I'm pretty dramatic as a human being and it's just like little things will kind of trigger me, I guess. And then it'll be like a bunch of stuff that I've been like just pushing forward from that'll all just kind of like 
end up being too much and I have to spiral for a few days. Um, I recently broke my arm and I had to get full surgery. It's like so bad. I have this like huge scar right now. Yeah, I see. I got it like around Coachella time. So whatever month that is. (laughs) That's how I measure time. But I was seriously so depressed. It was shocking. And Violet had to like drag me out every day. I was like, I was literally dying. I don't even know. I was like, this is this broken arm. It's just, I've already been going through X, Y, and Z. And now people Mm. aren't going to hire me and I'm never going to have a photo shoot again without it. And I just got started. Like I was just like, to me, it was like the end of the world. And I had my Vogue cover coming up and I had like just such amazing things that like music coming out and books and just so many things. And Violet's like, look at all this stuff that you should be so happy about. And you're literally depressed because you broke your arm. And I was just like looking back, it's like, yeah, that's stupid. But it was just kind of like so many things. And then that was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. And it just like happens every once in a while. Things just build up so much because I don't take the time to do little check-ins like I should. I just like move fast and I'm Mm -hmm. like, and then it all builds up. What I always find is it's never actually about the thing that sets it off, right? Like it has nothing to do with your broken arm. It has to do with you working and progressing. And that's where the anxiety and the fear is, right? It's over Mm -hmm. what's next for me? What am I... Where am I going? What am I doing with myself and with Gottmik? And, you know, and that's always kind of like why I always try to check myself. Like, is it really about like the idea that it's like cloudy outside? You know what I mean? Like it's a depressing day. It's like, no, it's like, what am I doing with it? A thousand million percent. That is what it is. Like at the time too, I was auditioning for this role and they were like in high school and I was like, what high schooler has this? Like it was just all about, you know, I was like working so hard on so many things and it was just kind of like oh my God, where am I going now? Do I have to pivot? Like what's happening? Right. And so a hundred percent, it's never, I mean, for me, it's not usually about that little minuscule thing. It's deeper, but I think I definitely have learned that if I just do take the time, like when I was on drag race, we're kind of, we're not kind of, we're extremely quarantined, like in a hotel and oh really yeah so I mean I filmed during COVID too so it was like we had to quarantine in a hotel phoneless for two weeks double whammy yeah and then you're also like locked in the hotel during filming too and so I had no one to talk to and nothing to do so every morning I would just wake up and I would meditate and stretch and like those little like manifesting morning check-ins where I would just be like talking to the universe and be like, okay, this is what I want out of life. Like this is what I need. They're everything. It was like life changing. And I learned that there and I don't implement it every day just because I'm like, (laughs) don't have time today when in reality it's like would make so much more time for me because I wouldn't be spiraling as much. Like those little morning 15 minute, just like stretch and revive center yourself moments are so important. Yeah, absolutely. I had an entire conversation with Ariana Huffington about why we do not take these small, like 10, 15 minute period out of our day to do things we know that are good for us that will help us in the long run and do these like short term. Like I can't, I've got to get coffee. It's like, shut up. No, you don't. You've got like 10 minutes before. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think those truly like changed my life on drag race filming like centered me and got me together so I don't know why I don't do that it is just like in your brain like so much to do gotta go gotta get coffee like you said or whatever and I need to focus more on doing that 100% and when was the first time that you felt anxiety Oh, I've actually been anxiety driven for quite some time I've um Sam Sam my friend yeah like, I even had, like, in my car seat, I remember just, like, always having that, like, restless leg, like, shaking leg moment. But yeah. my parents were like, just stop. Like, whatever. But now I'm like, oh, I think that's I can't actually, just like, stop. anxiety. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. And um, I just had, like, little symptoms that I was, like, there. And then I think when I, like, my depression came out, the actual, like, gnarly anxiety started coming out. And... To this day, it's just, like, that's the one that I don't even know what triggers it. But sometimes Mm -hmm. the anxiety will just, like, take over. And I just got to be like, all right, chill. Slow down. Check in. Like, you know. 
What helps you with anxiety? Because for me, I've realized lately, it always is physical. Like the moment I return to my body, whether that's, you know, going for a run or a walk or something to just make me feel myself, even that's just like chopping up vegetables for lunch mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Like that's the only way that I can kind of get out of my head and into my body. Do you have anything similar, like a trick that you do or something that you yeah. can always turn to to get you out of your head? Yeah, no, mine is a hundred percent the exact same way. I wish it was a little more simpler because I've read when people are like, just like touch and like feel like do all your senses. Tapping, like, yeah, it's like fun. yeah, and I'm always like doing that. I'm like, mm-hmm, you're like okay, like trying to like center, but it mine's like a little bit more like I need like actual self care. Like I need, I'm such like a. I'm such, like, a baby. I'm, like, I need to be, like, full pampered for a second. Like, I need to be, like, I need to go to, like, a stunning dinner and, like, recenter myself where you be, like, everything's gorgeous. You're eating gorgeous things. Like, relax. Yeah. And I just need yeah. to be, like, bath bomb vibes. Like, a little yeah. pampered girly. Like, yes. Just yeah. vibe your life. That's another one that really helps me is like turning to community, you know, like the idea that Mm -hmm. we have to get through anything ourselves is like a literal myth. I'm reading this book right now. It says that our our biological imperative is to connect with other people. And if we don't have other people, loneliness spurs depression tenfold. So the idea that we have to like get through anything alone is just this like hero myth that is so permeated our society and based on absolutely nothing. Like we need other people. Yeah. That dinner back to yourself. Like for me personally, I'm with friends. I feel myself again. Yeah. You know? No, I'm the same way. Even if it's like so bad, I'm like anxious. I can't even really like talk or something. Like it gets so bad sometimes like that. Same. They're like, do you need to like go? I'm like, no, just keep talking. Like I just need yeah, to be I here. Do. I'm like a hundred percent the same way. Like the second that I'm like succumb to that depression or anxiety and just like lay in bed all day. It's like, it will literally just get worse for me. A hundred percent. Like I need to be around my friends and just positive vibes. And they kind of all know that too. And like a lot of them deal with similar stuff as well. So they're just like, we'll just all live on. We'll be like pouring drinks and just like pretending everything's fine. (laughs) What drives you? I'm discovering what drives me every day because like we were talking about it's like every day is different and I do have that depression anxiety that will get me sometimes but I think at the end of the day I love who I've become and I love the art that I am doing and being able to just like wake up and like go online and just see people who tell me their stories and say that my story inspired them Mm. seeing that and hearing those stories from everyone around me that I'm connecting with really is what drives me to like keep pushing and keep doing my art to the best of my ability because I know I'm growing as an artist every day and I've grown so much in this past like year that I've been off drag race and so I'm just so excited to keep pushing and keep working with the most amazing artists ever and inspiring more people and connecting with more people. And yeah, that's definitely what drives me is the the connections I make with fans. That, my friends, was Cade Gottlieb. You can follow him on Instagram at Gottmick. That's two T's and one K. And you can follow me at Gillian Sagansky. As always, I want to hear what you think of this episode and every episode or any episode. So slide into my DMs and I will write you back. Let's start a conversation. Let's talk about all the things. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the excellent guests we have coming up this season. They are amazing. Until next time, or should I say, bye, Bye, Gorge. Gorge.